0: Welcome back, everyone, here uh, to my weekly podcast, as I'm now calling it. Uh, This is the second in my series of little audio reflections that I'm sending out to internet land during this whole corona thing. I'm hoping to make things a little bit less formal than a sermon, uh, still based on ideas of faith and life, things that are going on with us. Uh, Again, I hope you're staying safe, uh, keeping yourselves apart. Uh, Here at church, we're doing our best to do that. That's why we've kept all activities canceled, for sure, at least until May 11th. Uh, We're going to revisit it as a council on May 11th. So there'll be no services May 10th. You can follow our services, as always, on our YouTube channel. Uh, Just type in Lord of Grace Lutheran Church. Uh, You might have to scroll a little bit. There's other things that pop up in front of us, I discovered, uh, YouTube is owned by Google, and they use an algorithm. So when you type in Lord of Grace Church, you'll end up with Lord's Grace or uh, various other churches, air broadcasts that have the word in it. you just got to scroll down usually four or five of them until you find something from us. But when you find our uh, channel, I do have a link to it on the website at lordofgrace.org, so you can uh, see it there. But thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in. I hope you're all doing as well as can be. People have asked me uh, how this coronavirus thing has affected my ministry, what I do, and what I think is going to happen in the church after this. Uh, I can tell you uh, what's been happening a lot more easily than I can predict the future, but I can share with you what's happening, my hopes at least, for some things we might learn, some takeaways we might get uh, from this, Uh, You know, every time you run into a crisis or a situation, it can also be a moment to reflect on the things. And you don't always have to return exactly to normal. It might be a time to learn some lessons. But either way, uh, what's happening now, I can tell you, as a pastor, it feels really weird uh, to have my job suddenly shift in this radical way to having to do everything online or over the phone. You know, I've been doing most of the website, social media accounts for the church for years. But I try to keep those updates as simple as I can so I don't have to spend a ton of time on them. Uh, I don't want to be the ordained webmaster. So doing some of that is not new to me. But doing worship in an empty room is definitely weird for me. Just standing there, you know, me and my camera, and I'm dressed up in the robe, uh, which I found looks a lot better on the camera. Uh, and uh, preaching, just staring at it, it's it's kind of weird. You don't realize how much you work off the crowd, how much you sort of sense people's reaction and stuff until suddenly there's no one there to sense. You know, you have to try to imagine, you know, the camera is the crowd uh, and, you know, get excited when you look at it and kind of, imagine that it's a person or something. I don't know. I think it just it's a practice. Worship's, worship is really supposed to be a community activity, something we do together. It's not really a, supposed to be a performance uh, as much as there are parts of what we do that sometimes are like a performance. Uh, you know, in high school, it's funny, in high school I did a lot of theater. I did musicals. Uh, I did dramas. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I'm really glad I got into it. Uh, and it taught me... Things that I still use, uh, you know how to speak, articulate, eye contact, enunciation, staging, and uh, a lot of those things. I can honestly say, if people asked me that, I put to use every week the skills I learned in my high school activities. But I always like to think that in worship, I wasn't just putting on a show. And now it's hard for me to avoid that. It's a show that people watch at home and participate or not uh, from their couches, which is the second weird thing about this whole time, which is worshipping as a family in the living room on couches. You know, I have five kids, so there's a lot of us to squeeze in front of the TV, uh, but we do it, and it's kind of cool. I don't get a lot of resistance to it. I, I get lots of critiques about my video editing, camera angles, transitions between clips uh, from my teenagers who are way more versed in the ways of YouTube than I am. Uh, criticism is a little rough but it has made me better at it. Uh, but if you're a pastor you don't usually worship as a family so that, that's kind of new uh, and uh, you know I'm usually up front one's in the tech room right in the screens uh, one goes to the early service now we're all together as a family. That, part's, that part I like, that part's kinda cool. Which brings me to one of my biggest hopes, uh, that we'll become better at making worship and faith development more of a family thing and less of a professionally subcontracted activity that, to be squeezed around other professionally run subcontracted uh, programs for the week. And, um, you know, again, I, I have kids. I know how this goes. Uh, I remember having nights where it just was, you just came home, that's all you did. It was activities uh, from, from as soon as you came home until you crashed at night. And, um, you know, but it wasn't always that way. Now, if you went back far enough in U.S. history, you would find that there was a time when there, were no, there was no Sunday school. There was no youth programs uh, or youth groups All you had in your church life is you had worship at church on Sundays. You would have some larger community events. You know, you'd have barbecues, potlucks. The pastor taught confirmation, if that was something that your denomination did. Maybe first communion classes. But there was no Sunday school. Bible reading was expected to be done at home by the parents. And it was more the tradition that you know everybody kind of gathered around the dinner table and read the Bible and did devotions at night. You know, again, I get it. It's a lot easier to do that if you live out on some farm, you know, and you don't have school activities and every come one comes in at night from bale and hay, and you know from there on you got time to sit and read the scripture. Uh, and then along, uh, and then along comes this outfit called the American Sunday School Union. They were a parachurch group. They weren't run by any particular denomination. And their goal uh, in creating Sunday schools uh, was not originally about teaching the Bible. Their real goal was to assimilate German immigrant kids. There was this huge fear in the 17 and 1800s that Germans were not assimilating, that they weren't learning English, They were so numerous, they were going to have this takeover. Uh, They would transform America into Germany instead of becoming American, uh, however they defined that. Ben Franklin once said that he thought Germans would assimilate America. So Ben Franklin had this concern about German immigrants. And so the Sunday School Union came about with this kind of an agenda to Americanize these immigrant kids through churches and the goal was to teach them English, and the Bible was the tool to get the parents to get them there to learn the English. And since all the German kids in the 17 and 1800s were at their Lutheran or Catholic churches on Sundays, it was an easy way to get straight to your target audience. You know, you had all the kids collected at one time. And they pitched their instructions to churches basically as free Bible lessons. And if you go to a lot of churches today, you'll see flags up front. Uh, we have them at Lord of Grace. You'll see one is the American flag, and the other is a white one. It's a almost entirely white flag, and up in the top left corner is a blue square, and in the blue square is a red cross. And that's the flag of the American Sunday School Union. It was put up to show patriotism and to say to people, this is a church that has a Sunday school. The good part uh, is that a lot of kids got Bible instruction in a time when a lot of the parents weren't always terribly educated. The bad part is that it took the responsibility for teaching the faith, took that away from the parents, and it moved it to professionals, or at least trained what would become trained volunteers. Which, again, was a very, it's a very new development, very recent development. If you go to Europe to this day and you go to the churches, you'll find gigantic worship spaces and nothing else attached to them. You know, they don't have fellowship halls. There's no education buildings. They're just big chapels. Uh, I, remember the, I remember the church I went to as a kid in, uh, in Sweden, and it was a newer one. We had a fellowship hall. We did have that. There were no classrooms. Uh, so our Sunday school, which consisted of just the pastors' kids, and it didn't meet very frequently, uh, we met in the choir practice room because there wasn't there wasn't any classrooms. There was not a the, the Sunday school thing never never took off there. Uh, it was not a thing. But so uh, so again, this is a very new phenomenon, but it's not a terribly biblical phenomenon. If you go ba- if you go back to Deuteronomy, so we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, to a book written, you know, 2,500 or more years ago, and um, you get this explicit command, by God, for parents to teach the scriptures to the kids, for parents to teach the scriptures to the kids. So here it goes, a very famous passage in Deuteronomy, in Judaism, they call it the Shema. It goes, hear, O Israel, the Lord is your, our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Uh, So that's Deuteronomy 6, four through seven. And notice at the end, right? Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. So it doesn't say, take your kids to the religion experts to have them teach the law to your kids while you go to Dunkin' Donuts and grab some kid-free Sunday morning coffee. The expectation is that the family is the center of faith formation. Again, I know our world. I, I know our world is a lot more complicated than it was then. Remember, I have five kids. I have lived through nights of nonstop activities, and I will admit there's a selfish part uh, uh, of me that would love to have an hour to just drop them off and keep driving away. Uh, that was how my home church in Minnesota was. We had 125 kids in the Sunday school, and you could see the parents. They would there was a train of cars. Uh, in the alley right behind they'd drop them off and there was kind of a back door that the kids would go in and then the parents would, would go head off to wherever they headed off uh, usually the local cafe and then they'd come back and pick them up we might have 125 in Sunday school and we'd have you know 15 or 20 or something in worship but um, that was how it was you know and uh, I get the idea of kid free time uh, I still value it today and and I'll admit now that um we're in the midst of all this uh coronavirus stuff there's a selfish part of me that enjoys not having to do all the shuttling Uh, it's bad for them they miss out on things but it does have the side effect of at least for our family being better for bringing us together Uh, we see each other more we're able to eat together more we have everyone there so you know we're not just ships passing in the night Yes, there is also the problem of everybody getting on every one else's nerves. So we, you know, yeah, you have to manage that. Uh, and the all, and the online services, they've given us something to talk about at the table. And you know, I'll admit that sometimes the topic uh, is more to do with criticizing Dad's lack of YouTube savvy, but it it does keep faith. It does keep church in the family conversation. So. What do I hope comes out of this for us as a church? Well, maybe lots of things. And I'm sure I'll think about it more as time goes by. But the first thing that came to my mind when somebody asked me that is that I hope that we as a people, uh, as as a Christian church, start to rethink the kind of this almost fanatical obsession with being busy uh, and put more emphasis on spending time with each other Uh, and spending time with our families. You know, again, I know that life circumstances can make that hard. I also get that we can make it hard on ourselves, sometimes through the choices that we choose to make. It is possible to get into a good college without three varsity sports and two instruments and four private sports camps every summer. Uh, It is possible to do that, and people do it all the time. So, so I hope we start to reflect, maybe in our time as families. Maybe that's part of my hope, uh, even though we're squished together. Uh, we start thinking about ways we can make faith more community, maybe a little bit less programmatic, or at least for our programs to see their mission as strengthening us in our faith walks and not being a substitute for them. I don't know exactly what that will look like, there's a lot in the future, I just, I really don't know what it would look like. Uh, and, um, but whatever it looks like, that's going to be kind of a goal that I'm going to try to uh, keep wrapping my head around. Again, I don't know what it looks like, but that's my hope. Uh, that that maybe this is an opportunity for us to get back to our basics, to take a breather and look around and say, okay, we've we've had some time as a breather. Do we want to, when this is over, jump right back into the rat race and try to recreate the rat race we were on before? Or do we want to take advantage of this and stop and say, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to reassess a little bit. Maybe it's time to rethink some things and use it as a time to take some inventory. You know, it's often not until you stop moving that you realize how fast you were moving It's often not until you stop working that you realize how how stressed you were. Uh, And maybe this is a chance for us. Not to have less stress, this whole thing is causing a lot of stress for most of us, but to have time to rethink uh, what is normal and what do we want normal to be. So anyways, those are just kind of my thoughts um, of the weird life of being a pastor in an empty building and um, and hopes for the future so we'll see how that goes and um, so feel free email me let me know if you have a, if you have any thoughts or comments or anything you want to share uh, maybe we keep a conversation open you can always catch me on uh, zoom I've got the time scheduled on the website and of course don't miss our services Sundays at 10 a.m. Uh, they're up there on YouTube and you can see my my uh, Handiwork at Adobe Premiere for what it's worth. So uh, I hope you all have a good day. Stay safe and we'll stay in touch. God bless.